What an exciting day. What an exciting time of the year. And we are greeted as we walk into this room with the decorations of Christmas and the music of Christmas. And it's, a, it's just one of the best times of the year to be able to celebrate in a very intentional way the birth of our Savior. A lot of things that I want to share with you and communicate to you over the next uh, 30 40 minutes I want to ask you to find your Bibles right now and open them to a place that I had no idea even as recent as a week ago that I would be saying to you and I actually want to ask you to open your Bibles to the New Testament book of second you guessed it Thessalonians, all right? Second Thessalonians. And I want us to look at some verses there. If you'll find your place there, and I want to uh, share some things with you. So mark it, hold it. We're going to go there in just a few minutes. Um, today, as you look around the room, you see something set up in this room that has not been set up in this way in, uh, it's, it's been four years and that is we're going to take communion together today by distributing the elements. Our deacons are here early this morning to prepare the tables, to prepare the elements for us to take Lord's Supper together today. Some practical instructions now and then later this morning uh, we will take the Lord's Supper together. But if you're seated in the upper seats, we're going to bring... We're going to bring the elements to you during a time of observing the Lord's Supper. If you're seated here on the floor, you're going to be prompted to walk from your seats to the table that's in front of the section uh, where you're seated and then return to your seats with the elements. And then after we finish singing together, uh, we will all take the bread and the cup together at the same time. I'll say more about that, but when you come to the tables, you're going to find that the bread is in a bottom cup and the juice is in a second cup that's on top of that, and you'll just reach and take that and carry that back to your seat, or in the top, it'll be brought to you. And then when you leave, there will be a place for you to dispose of those cups on your way out at the exit, so take those with you. The reason that we're going to do communion today when we're, you might find it a little bit odd and you think we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, uh, but we're going to begin this season by acknowledging that his birth is so special because of his death. And you'll take a lot of pictures this Christmas with a lot of different people and a lot of different scenes. Somewhere, when you go back and you look at all of those pictures, somebody uh, will be in that picture in what we probably call a photobomb. You look and you're like, look right there. Who is that? Or what is that in our picture? My prayer is, is that in every moment of celebration this year in Christmas, that in the background the cross is there, that the death of Jesus is there that 
the, the, his, his birth is so special because his death was sacrificial. And uh, that's, that's why we're starting this season of celebrating his birth by acknowledging that he came to die to pay for our sins. Um, as we think about coming to the table, even the, the decorations of the stage kind of has like come on into the den, sat down at the table. It's uh, like hey, we're, we're family here. And uh, today I want to take just a few minutes to give you some family updates, not of me personally, uh, but of our church family. And I want to share some exciting updates with you, some things that we've been praying for as a church for many months. And those are related to some staff updates in the life of our church. And I want to share with you this morning, to begin with, updates related to um, our, our worship ministry and our worship team. And I want to uh, introduce to you today our, um, uh, our new worship pastor. And today I'm excited to share with you that our new worship pastor is Caleb Barnes. And um, you see uh, Caleb and Rachel's picture there. And uh, Caleb, uh, brand new dad, and, and Rachel, so much a part already of the life of our church. And I... You know Caleb. If you don't know him, uh, you're just this is a guy that's uh, he's humble, man of integrity, generous with his life. He, he's just he just seems to start every conversation with a yes. And figure out how to make this work. He's a hard worker. I don't know of a guy that's a harder worker. He's always first here. Seems like last to leave. Uh, it, it's it's. He's an Eagle Scout, all right? I mean, that, that, that tells you a lot about the kind of guy that he is. Uh, and he shares my vision for worship as well. I feel like our hearts are knitted together. Uh, for several months, all the way back to the 1st of April, he's carried the load in leading and making happen uh, what's happening in our worship. And uh, I'm just, I'm thrilled. Uh, about the potential of us being able to serve together and him uh, serving in that way uh, for our church. So I, I hope you'll take opportunity to express uh, welcome to him. Uh, there'll be an ordination service for Caleb uh, at, around the first of the year as he begins to serve as our worship pastor. Uh, with him as a, a worship associate, uh, I want to share with you that Rebecca Emerson will be serving as a worship associate. That fills a role that's being vacated by Caleb. So she'll come alongside and see Rebecca. And we all, uh, uh, we, we, we joked this week, and I, I did. And it just, it was, we put it on the staff page just to make sure everybody knows Rebecca's stepping in this role of worship associate. And I was like, can she even sing? I mean, I mean, I, uh, gosh, what, what a voice, what a heart for worship. Uh, just uh, came here as a college student and just served faithfully in the life of our church and so excited about the uh, fact that she's able to continue to be a part of our church and be a part of our team and serve in this way. Uh, those are some updates about our, our worship ministry. 
Uh, let me give you some updates about children's ministry. For many months, we have uh, been rearranging some of our staff. Scott Carson stepped into the role of adult and family pastor. And uh, we uh, today are excited to share with you a, a, a structure and names of those that will fill in that structure for the life of our church and children's ministry. You know that Andrew Barnes already serves as the next-gen pastor for our church. That means that he's leading that team from birth through 12th grade. And in leading that particular part of our ministry and children's ministry from birth through 5th grade, now we will have um, co-directors. And the co-directors will be uh, Paige Watson that's moving from a, a, an associate into a co-director's role. And, and, and then joining on that team will be a young man that's grown up in our church, has been an intern here for a couple of years, faithfully serving. And we say, we look around and say, he just won't go away. He just keeps showing up. He's just um, uh, hungry, faithful, feels God's call on his life for ministry. And that's Garris Duke. Uh, Garris is going to join our team. Uh, if, I don't know if you can see him from the shining ring in that picture. But uh, Garris recently engaged to Sophia Steed. Uh, and uh, they'll be married in May of next year. So co-directors there reporting to Andrew Barnes, Paige Watson, and Garris Duke. And then also strengthening... Our children's ministry team will be a children's ministry coordinator that will work alongside Gail and Paige and Garris. And that's uh, Annabelle, uh, sorry, Annabelle Brannon. And you'll see Annabelle there. And you've probably seen her smiling face uh, around children's ministry already. She's been an intern for two years in children's ministry and now is coming on our team to continue to strengthen what we're doing in children's ministry. Those are some, uh, me personally, very exciting updates to share with you. It'll be exciting to enter into the first of the year with those positions ready to go, passionate about their work, and uh, looking forward to what God's going to do through those. Let me give you an update about Five Points Church. Five Points Church begins having services in January. You know that Joel Shinpo and Jennifer will be going to lead that work we're sending them out on on December 17th we're going to have a commissioning service for Joel and Jennifer and those that will be going uh, with them to plant the church at five points it'll be a chance for us to uh, bring it'll be about 30 people from our church family that'll be going out with them and we'll gather around them and pray for them and send them out for the planting of this new church. Uh, next Sunday, they will do that same thing at Prince Avenue. We are doing this Five Points Church as a partnership with Prince Avenue, with both of us sending resources financially, both of us sending uh, resources of people uh, from our church to, uh, to plant that church in Five Points. So that commissioning will take place at Prince Avenue next Sunday and then here at our church on the 17th. I've asked Joel uh, to preach on the 17th, and I've said, here's your chance. You get the mic one more time, and uh, just give us your, uh, your word that God's put on your heart as you prepare to go and be a part of planting that church. Now, when I share those things, 
one of the underlying things of that that's exciting to me is that what I'm sharing with you in these updates is discipleship. One of the unique things about every one of those updates that I just gave you was that those people and those names are people that have been in our church serving some as growing up as kids and teenagers in our youth group, uh, some coming as college students, some as interns, some in part-time roles. Uh, I, I, even I think about Robbie, who's a businessman in our community, comes on our staff for almost 10 years now. And it's just, as, as people just walked with the Lord and prayed and, and grown in their faith and believed God was directing them, just taking steps. And we're, as a, as a church, are benefiting from uh, God calling out from among us those that would serve with us in a vocational way in ministry. And that's, that's exciting to me. It's, it's people that we know and we love and share our DNA and share our passion for making wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. It's a lot of information. Even right now, you, you, you walk out of the door and you're like, I think I know what he said. I think I remember what he said. And if you heard that Caleb is planting a church at five points, you, you got that wrong, right? You, you're confused. But I know there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of information. And it's kind of like a family, isn't it? When you're trying to figure out through calendars and communication and schedules and demands and events and parties and who's doing what, when and where, that kind of life happens right here in our own church family and, and uh, we're just working hard to communicate that and it's like grabbing a hold of the Lord and say, God, just carry us and take us along. It, we say around here it's all about life and, and it really is a lot of life going on around here um, those are some updates that I want to share with you I want you to look with me now at 2nd Thessalonians and it, and it kind of continues from here and and I want to share a message with you for a few minutes that I would call do what's always right do what's always right what is it that is always right. I want to read these verses in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, the first four verses. This letter written to pretty new believers in Thessalonica. Uh, this letter written after 1 Thessalonians, but probably only a matter of weeks from the time that they uh, received the first letter to the time this second letter was written. We're not talking about years later that they received this letter. We're talking more like weeks later they received this letter. And as Paul writes to them, he's still uh, commending them. The rest of the letter, he talks about the coming of Christ. He talks about the importance of not being idle or out of line as, a, as somebody walking with the Lord. But look at the first four verses of 2 Thessalonians and we'll see uh, what the answer is to what's always right. Paul, Silvanus, or you may recognize that name as Silas, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. 
because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you and the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. So what is it that is always right? If we're going to do what's always right, we see in verse 3 what is always right is giving thanks to God. Uh, the Apostle Paul says we ought always to give thanks to God. And he attaches a very specific reason for giving thanks. And he says to the believers at Thessalonica that we're in a place, because of your testimony as a group of believers, to where our first response, our last response, our middle response is thanks be unto God. And what he does is he acknowledges three things that there is to be thankful for. And he says, we're thankful that your faith is growing, your love is increasing, and your steadfastness is enduring. He said, when you are talking about a testimony of a church, he says, church at Thessalonica, you have a testimony. You have a testimony of a faith that's growing, a love that is increasing, and a steadfastness that is enduring. I want to speak for a few minutes about a faith that is growing, but let me say this about where he says steadfastness that is enduring. I really believe that basically is what we covered in 1 Thessalonians, this hope that we have in Christ. The reason we can win is when our hope is in Christ, looking forward to Christ's return. And then this statement, he says, uh, because of your faith that is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. A love that is increasing. I don't want to say much about that this morning. I do want to uh, bring to your attention that in the first part of 2024, we're going to talk about that very thing. We're going to pray about that very thing. I believe that the key to revival in our church and in our churches is an increasing love for one another. And if we're not right with one another, we can't expect the world to experience a spiritual awakening around us and among us. And, and we're going to, on January 7th, if Jesus hasn't come back, I'm going to preach a message for you that has to do with loving one another. And then on Monday following that, I want to ask you to join me for the next 21 days as we pray um, through the one another's of Scripture. And we're going to identify 21 different one another's in Scripture, like forgive one another and bear with one another, and be patient with one another, encourage one another, and take one day for 21 days and pray for each one of those things to be true in our life and the lives of others as, and pray that our love for one another would increase more and more and more. This morning, this gratitude that Paul has in his heart is for their faith that is growing abundantly. What is faith? Uh, their saving faith. Uh, saving faith is what we have by God's grace to where we believe in the work of Jesus Christ. Saving faith is when we believe that God 
loves us and we believe that Jesus was sent by God to come and give a sinless life on a cross to pay for our sin. It's faith and believing that by Jesus' death on the cross we can be reconciled to God. It's faith that believes that Jesus Christ paid our debt for sin, that he atoned for our sin, that he satisfied the wrath of God toward our sin. And saving faith is when you this morning have a belief in your heart that your only hope for forgiveness, your only hope for heaven, your only hope for eternal life is through the work of Jesus Christ. That's saving faith. But there is also beyond saving faith, a living faith, a growing faith, a sustaining faith. And we actually can go through times in our life where our day-to-day faith is stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And the Apostle Paul here is saying to them, I see your faith and it's growing abundantly. It's not just locked in and stagnant. He's saying your faith is growing. How does a faith grow? You see a growing faith when we are more and more obedient to God's leadership in our life. You see a strong faith, a growing faith, when we do what is right more and more and more. How does that illustrate a a strong faith? Because for us to be obedient to God so many times, we don't know what the other side of obedience is going to cost. We don't know what it's going to look like. We, we, we often battle right there at the line of obedience. God is speaking. We know what's right. And we say, this may really set me against someone else. This may set me against the culture of our world. And, and, and what we're saying in, in a faith that is growing is a faith that does what is right more and more and more and more. Well, is your faith growing? Is your faith growing? That word growing abundantly is the only place it's used in Scripture. It's a Greek word. Uh, you look at the Greek lettering, you'd pronounce it something like hyperoxano. And, and it, it, you hear that word hyper. I mean, just I mean, you think of something that's just uh, boom. I mean, it is it's big. It's more. Uh, when he says, I'm, we're, we're giving thanks to God for your faith that is growing. It's not just growing, it's growing abundantly. A hyperexano, it's a, it's a, it's a word that means flourishing. This is, uh, it, it was a word that was used in plant world. I love that when it comes up for me. And in this picture of a plant world, I mean, what this, this is wisteria growth. Uh, this is kudzu growth. This is the Indian bamboo tree growth. You know that the Indian bamboo tree has been clocked at growing as much as three feet a day. Can you imagine walking out three hours later and three feet of growth in a day? That's hyperoxano. That's growing abundantly. And the Apostle Paul is looking at them and he's saying, You guys are growing like bamboo. You guys are growing like a middle school boy. I mean, you're just, it's taking off. But here's what I want you to see. He doesn't say to them, good work. He says to them, go God. 
And the encouragement to them is this. I'm looking at you. I'm watching you. I'm hearing of you. And I want to praise God today. I want to thank God today because God is at work in you. And I want to tell you, it, it does feel good for somebody to pat you on the back and say, good job. But it's a whole nother level for somebody to look at your life and your testimony and be able to say, no, God's working in you. God's working. This is, a, this is a verse that a guy named Mark Rutherford said, we'll heal our self-despisings. He says, we beat ourselves up and we knock ourselves down and we worry about ourselves and we're anxious about ourselves and we're wondering, am I measuring up? When we hear that by God's grace through faith, he will work in us. We don't self-despise. We glorify God. And the right thing for us to do is to give him thanks. And as I stood this morning on this first Sunday of December, I just look at what I've seen in the life of our church, and I just know that the right thing to do is to thank God for the way that he's working through the life of our church. There's some fruit of our faith and I want to give thanks to God publicly it would be wrong to ignore the blessings of God today it would be wrong for us not to pause long enough and say thank you Lord for what you've done over these last 11 months of of December when I think about things that I'm thankful for of what God's done I just would, would call your attention to to our giving you know, it was a year ago this Sunday that I concluded a series called The Standard. Do you remember a graphic uh, like this we had on our screen for about five weeks? And we talked about raising our standard. And we talked about uh, the kind of giving that God has established, the kind of giving that Jesus modeled, the kind of giving that the Spirit blesses, the kind of giving that we need and the and, and the kind of giving that ministry requires. And when we looked at God's word last year, we were just kind of lagging along, just kind of loafing. It, almost, it, just, it was just, a, we, we were, as a church leadership team, we we're trying to figure out what's going on with our giving. We went to God's word, we prayed, God help us to know. And I wanna thank God today for what's happened over the 11 months of this year so far in our giving. Do you know now, over the last 11 months, that our giving is up 17% over last year's giving? To God be the glory. I give him thanks for that. We gave an Acts 1-8 offering that ended last February of over $290,000. We'd never have given a missions offering like that before. Last year, we had three months where we met budget. Now, those three months were strong, and we were able to meet budget for the year. This year alone, up to this point, we've had seven months where our giving has met budget. Now, I know our flesh. We say, wait, if you tell, us, if you tell them how good they're doing, Pastor, they may quit giving. Well, listen, we don't need to be fearful of thanking God for what he's done uh, that, that he won't keep doing it. Okay, we're just giving God praise and glory 
And, and I, I just want to just thank him for how you have given this year, how he's made it possible for us to give. Think about our serving. One of the big steps of faith we took this year was this step of faith to go to three services. And probably there's been some Sundays when you've looked around and you've thought, and there's some empty seats. Could we not have done two today? Or maybe there's a Sunday here or there. You thought, I bet we could have done one today. But as we've done three services, it's been a step of faith. And I, I don't know if you realize it or not, because you may not have felt it. But as we've gone to three services, when you look at our attendance compared to last year, we're averaging 140 more people every Sunday than we did last year. And that's, if you can remember back to our first services before we went to three, there wasn't room to put 140 people. And, and it's required more servants. Many of you have stepped in and you're serving in ways that you haven't served before. It's taken more time for some of you in serving. You've stepped up and you've adjusted times and when your classes meet and your groups meet and when you worship. And those are steps of faith that God is honoring and that he's blessing. I think about baptisms. Next hour we'll baptize a girl in that service. It'll be the 65th person that we've baptized this year. Next Sunday, we're scheduled to baptize three more. we put us at 68. If there were two people, you're saying already, God, I know I'm, it's time for me. I mean, we'd make it to 70. By the end of the year, there's no reward in heaven if we get to 70. It just would be fun for the first time that I know of in the history of our church to see 70 people baptized in one year uh, as a church family. Uh, hallelujah. Give thanks to the Lord uh, this morning. I, I just and, and then going. We've sent more people out this year than we've ever sent before. And Robbie told me this week that already more people are in the pipeline filling out applications, expressing interest. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, we may make it to 200 people next year that go on some kind of short-term or mid-term or long-term uh, mission project. Well, I just... I bring that in front of you today for you to pause long enough to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you do that right now? I heard it. Would you just voice it to him? Thank you, Lord. It's for the Lord. We're not, that, that's, a, that's a clap to the Lord. To praise him and to thank him that he would be so gracious to us to allow us to be a part of something like that. I, I want to share with you a, a letter that I got last week, right as Thanksgiving week was started, starting. Uh, I asked for permission. As soon as I got this letter, I emailed back. The letter came from Natalie Tyndall. Um, You'll hear more about who Natalie Tyndall is in this letter. When I got the letter, I emailed her back immediately because I, I said to myself, I cannot keep this to myself. Pastor Carlos, I hope you are having a great Thanksgiving week. I just wanted to let you know how the Lord has been moving in my heart recently, and I pray it encourages you. I'm about to graduate from UGA in December with my elementary education degree. 
The summer after my freshman year, I went to Boston with Jen Sin. During that period of my life, I had just been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and panic disorder. Through those on my team and the Boston pastors, I saw the power of prayer firsthand. That was a marker in my life that the Lord can and will deliver me from hardships, specifically anxiety that came from some traumatic events in my life. The next two years, I served with Robbie as a missions intern, and the Lord kept growing my heart for the nations. In high school, I felt a call on my heart to go overseas. Through interning, I was able to go to Turkey for three weeks. As, a sen as senior year came around, I've been praying and exploring different options of what's next for me. I'm so excited to share with you that I believe the Lord is leading me to move to Boston to be a part of Kings Hill and to teach in Boston public schools. The week before Jonathan came to preach, we had talked on the phone. As much as he encouraged me, it was so encouraging to hear that what the Lord was doing in my heart is something Jonathan and his church have been praying for three years about. And that is there would be 50 people saying yes to Boston by 2025. Since then, the Lord has continued to open doors. Robbie and I agree it would be a great stepping stone in preparing to go overseas one day. For now, I believe Boston is where I need to be. Being a part of Watkinsville has changed my life and encouraged my walk with Jesus more than I ever could have predicted. The most impactful thing I've learned is that suffering is not a sign of weakness, but that it is a time to be intimately close with the Lord. In my hardships of anxiety and depression, I've come to Wadi every Sunday and served, knowing that no one is counting me out because of my struggles. The belonging that I have found in the church by being a part of the Watkinsville Church family has forever shaped the way I will look for and understand the church. Thank you so much for investing in college students like me. I am so grateful for Wadi and everyone here. Have a great Thanksgiving. And I said, I think I will. And I said, can I please share that letter? And when I say to you this morning to give thanks to the Lord for him growing our faith, I want you to see that what we're a part of is worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Don't let up. Do just what Paul told the church at Thessalonica. More and more. More and more. It's worth it. Now, we come to a time now to remind ourselves what it's all about, what Jesus has done for us. It's a time of remembrance, and that is communion, the Lord's Supper. I'm going to ask as we prepare right now for our ushers to find their places, I'm going to ask our band to come and join with us as we go through this time of remembrance today I would remind you that what we're remembering is that God loves you John talked about that last week the love of God God loves you he wants a personal relationship with you it's a reminder that our sin separates us from God and that we're objects of God's wrath and judgment because of our sin. This Lord's Supper is a reminder that Jesus was born and he lived 
and he died. He was buried and he rose again. And he did all of that to satisfy God's wrath, to take our place, to reconcile us to God. And it's a remembrance today that by faith in this Jesus and what he's done, when we turn from trusting ourselves or our works or any other idol and turn to trust in Jesus Christ alone, it's a reminder that we have saving faith. By grace through faith, we have eternal life. Today when the cup is brought to you, today when you pick up a cup at the table, take it as an expression of God's love for you. When you see the bread, a reminder that the body of Christ went to the cross for you. When you see the cup, the juice there is a reminder that Jesus shed his blood to pay for our sin debt. The reason that this season is so special is because his death was sacrificial. If you're a believer here today, you've already received Jesus as Lord and Savior. I invite you to take the cup today. If you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, maybe this would be the day you see the cup, you see the bread, and you hear the story of what Jesus has done. Why not today call out to Jesus to save you? And if you could do that right now, you don't have to wait five weeks or five days. Right now, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you could take communion today, remembering, even though it's two minutes old, that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. The Bible gives us instructions about giving thanks and receiving the elements. We're going to sing right now. Tim's going to sing. You worship. And um, ushers, I want you to begin right now distributing the elements as we sing. And I'll come back and we'll take the element all together at one time.